I want to know your backstory on how you as a female in a male dominated industry grew and came through the ranks to become president of Helios. And this is not just a story for, for the ladies listening, but also the men listening sure. as well that start from the bottom and, and the, the, the goal is to one day be at the top of your industry. At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three-in-one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal. The professional's choice. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So listen, going from the bottom to the top takes a lot of work, starting from an entry-level position to going to basically head of the company takes a lot of grit determination. It takes a lot of doing things outside of work hours to better yourself, education outside of getting paid for it. Now, I have Kat McCary. She is the president of Helios. I visited them a few months back and listen, she's on the podcast. We're going to talk about how she went from call center to president of the company. Now they're in multiple states, 40-ish states around the U.S. in multiple businesses as well. So, I mean, she's the president. She's going to talk about how she got there and what it takes to run a company that size and how she does it sort of in a family style, keeping everybody close-knit. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by Master, and I just found out, or just confirmed actually, that at CMPX, I will be at the Master booth at 3 p.m. on Wednesday the 20th. If you want to stop by and check out what they have to offer, and, and Move Air as well. Move Air is a big part of that. So check out master.ca and see you guys at CMPX March 20th. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas. They are providers of blue-collar uniforms to the blue-collar trades, HVAC, electrical, plumbing, pipe fitter, whatever whatever it is, you name it. Within the blue-collar trades, Cintas.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all to check out what uniforms they have to offer your team. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. These countdowns on this thing drive me insane because it started to count down that I just looked at we were recording already, Kat. Anyway, um, very organic conversation here on the, the HVAC Know It All podcast. We, uh, we don't hold any... Um, we don't hold any punches when it comes to revealing the technical difficulties sometimes we have on the show. But anyway, how are you this morning? Doing great, Gary. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I've uh, I've switched back to coffee for a little bit. I stopped drinking coffee for a bit, um, but I'm having one now, and it's given me kind of the the upbeat sort of giving me the uplift I need to to speak to you this morning. So, listen, yeah. I spent some time with you guys in Florida. Okay, the invite was incredible to come down there and just scope out what was going on in Florida as far as the HVAC world goes, because all I see is online stuff, right? I see what's going on in different parts of the world, different parts of the country I live in, different states in the U.S., but it was nice to actually come down 
meet some people and get out onto job sites, right, in a different state to see how things are done. And really, things aren't really done all that different, to, to be honest with you. It's the same machinery. It's the same sort of mindset. It's the same sort of troubleshooting approach. It's the same sort of down-to-earth type people that are in the trades. And yeah. listen, I just want to I just want to give you a, sort of a congrats or or I don't know what the word is, but the way that everything was run down there, it was like a family atmosphere. Everybody was yeah. so welcoming and accommodating and just everybody was like, it was, it was like a little family, even though there was, there, there, there was a bunch of people. So take us through the way Helios is run and, and how this family atmosphere is kind of been adopted and how it maintains. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, first, thank you for coming to join us for, you know, a week and um, hopefully your family had a good time. But, uh, you know, we are we are, um, you know, who we are. We're, we're blatantly uncensored. So um, I'm glad you got to see us just as we are every day as a family, just kind of um, all of the things that go into that. So you joined us in Florida. You know, Helios uh, is headquartered in Florida, although we serve 40 states across the U.S. Uh, with about 800 technicians um, that are our employees. We, uh, you know, started as a group of legacy companies all over the U.S. that were in different regions. They had their own uh, independent owners and then Helios, um, you know, partnered with them, acquired those companies and um, has just continued to build, build on the legacies of those original founders. I think one thing that makes Helios different and, and allows us just to keep, keep growing on that family culture is just our technicians, our service managers, all the people that came from those legacy companies just continuing to work together and, and want to grow. You know, um, mm -hmm. Everybody is really excited about the opportunities that are available now in this industry and, and in their career. And, you know, we just really believe in um, developing people, you know, businesses is, is built up of, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. And there's a lot of things that go into a great business, but the people are first. So I think that's why we, we do so well at it. We just have a family culture of, you know, people just coming together, working hard, having a responsibility to their families and uh, just getting stuff done together. Yeah, so the, the the whole people thing is, it, it, you really have to be people focused because the I, I've had this conversation with many people, and when you run a business, who comes who comes first? And and most people that you talk to go, the customer comes first. Well, the customer shouldn't come first. It yeah. should be the people in your organization because when you funnel from the top to the people in your organization, good positive vibes, a good atmosphere. Uh, a, a, a positive place to work benefits this and that and good pay and, and all that kind of stuff into one package, right? That funnels down to the customer base. Yep. You take care of your you, people. They'll take care of your customers. hundred percent. That, that's right. Because you, if, if somebody feels like they're mistreated at their workplace and they're always getting into sort of arguments and, and they're getting yelled at and they're, they're always sort of getting the gears from upper management when they go on to the job site, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be grumpy and they're going to be flagrant. And they're, they're, they, they, they might not give the customer a very good experience. Yeah. So we, it, it, it starts from the top down. Yeah, we, we are just um, really focused on culture. We're opening facilities so that technicians have, you know, uh, a way to go see their dispatcher, talk to their service manager every day if they need to, grab extra parts, get some training. We're spending 
Uh, we're investing a ton in continuing education programs, mentorship programs, skill development programs, manufacturer sponsored training, um, just really people development, career development, giving opportunities to the people. And, um, you know, there's no barriers to this trade. There's great jobs in this industry, um, you know, and we're really trying to make sure that we give people an opportunity that's, um, you know, better than most. Quite honestly, Gary, I know people that have master's degrees that are earning less than those starting out in this industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm just really proud of our commit commitment to people development. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get to what sort of your training um, initiatives and, and partnerships you've made on the training side in, sure. in a little bit. But what I'd like to get is the backstory of, okay, so there's a lot of females getting into the trade now. Yeah. But there's a lot of I don't, I can't really tell the percentage of females to, to males that are listening to this audience, uh, to listen within the audience, but I'm, I'm going to guess that the male um, side is dominant, but I've seen through statistics over time that the female side is growing when it comes to um, audience members, whether it be Instagram or the podcast or whatever. Yeah. So I want to know your backstory on how you as a female in a male dominated industry grew and came through the ranks to become president of Helios. And this is not just a story for for the ladies listening, but also the men listening sure. as well that start from the bottom. And, and the, the, the goal is to one day be at the top of your industry. The top of your industry could be the could be different for everybody. It could be That's the right. top tech, it could be the top technician in the company, it could be the service manager, it could be the owner, it could be your own shop. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, what is considered the top by under the umbrella of, of what is where you should go. It's, it's individualized and where they right. want to be. Cause some people don't want to own their own shop. That's right. They, they, they want to be just the best technician at the company and have the support around them. Um, but some people want to want to get out there and, and challenge themselves at every single angle and, and be the owner of their own place. And sometimes they're like, Oh, why did I do, why did I do this? Why sure. did I, what did I get myself into? So let's talk about, starting from the bottom and growing into the role that you're currently in now. How, how did it all begin? Sure. Uh, I started in this industry about 30 years ago um, at a residential company. My, my first role was actually as a call center supervisor for that company where, you know, a group of literally telemarketers would call to try to sell maintenance plans, et cetera, to, you know, residential customers. I worked at that company for a number of years and, and held several roles, working my way up eventually to operations manager, um, helped grow that company to, you know, over uh, 40 technicians in uh, multiple counties in Georgia. Um, I later moved to Florida um, when my children were born and took some time away from the industry to raise my kids when they were young and uh, then took a job in the heavy mechanical space. Um, working at a small office, just a few technicians early on running their, you know, operations, handling accounting, kind of wearing many hats in that in that role, um, you know, really worked with the owner of that company to grow um, that company to well over 16 million dollars um, and wow. in revenues. Um, so that was um, that was about a seven year stint. And then about 15 years ago, came to advanced mechanical services originally. Um, here in Florida. It's a multi-site national account commercial uh, service company and uh, started out 
honestly, in their billing department, right? As a, as a billing clerk, I was coming back into a new, a new trade, uh, a new part of the trade, I should say, um, and just had to work my way back up, you know, um, eventually, um, pretty quickly took on a role as their client services manager and later, uh, you know, COO of, of that company. Um, when Advanced Mechanical Services was acquired by Helios, um, I was asked to step up as the president of that company and did so. And then last year, joined the vertical um, at Helios as the, the service line president for HVAC and refrigeration. Nice. Okay, cool. I got to ask you, the cold calling at the call center, yeah. how, how well was that received? Because, I mean, I get... I get telemarketers calling me every day now. Yeah. And as soon as, and it's all from overseas. And as soon as I hear an air gap, I'm like, click. Right. Uh, because for it's sure. just, it's just, it's most of it's, I don't know how many duck cleaning calls you get per day in Florida, <laughs> but my phone rings at least three times a day yeah. and I'm trying to be sold duck cleaning. And I know, and I know what it is and it's like, click. And I know yeah. people, I know people that play with the, 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 and they're like, well, I live in a condo. How are you going to get upstairs to the 10th the yeah. floor and clean my ducks anyway? It was no joke. Those telemarketers were hard workers. They were pounding the phones for for hours every day. And, uh, you know, it was, it was it was definitely different in the 90s when when this was happening. So, um, you know, people were certainly answering their landlines more than than they even have landlines today. So different world back then when 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 I was in a, a call center environment. But it was a tough sell that even then. Uh, but, you know, we did we did well. It was a successful venture. Yeah. That's kind of how, uh, if I recall correctly, that the the movie Wolf of Wall Street. That's how, yeah, the the main character started creating his wealth was in a call center selling penny sure. stocks. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's interesting to me. And I know some people. My wife worked in a call center uh, at one point. I don't remember what she was selling, but this was when she was a teenager as well. So it's just funny how these call centers used to be like it used to be a thing, and your phone it was a all thing, that. a big yeah, thing. And, yeah, yeah, but now now it's like everything's online and, and you can be reached many different ways through email campaigns and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so you you grew from from a call center to president of this giant company that's across 40 states and yeah. have your hands into many projects and stuff like that. So how how stressful is, is a day being the president of a large company? I mean, there's good stress and bad stress. Sure. And, and you're always working towards a goal of creating uh, the, the culture that we talked about and creating a good experience for your customers. But I'm sure there's hiccups every single day. I mean, there, there's different things that can happen when you're dealing with this many people. So a day in the life of Cat, how, I know you do a lot of meetings and stuff like that, but give sure. us, give us a day that could lead to some exciting stuff um, coming out of the mechanical side and commercial HVAC. So let's talk supplyhouse.com for a second. They have fulfillment centers all over the U.S. to make sure that your stuff comes in on time in a timely manner. What is their stuff? Well, they got electrical. They have HVAC. They got mechanical stuff. These are parts and tools that you will need on your job. So if you're looking to get some parts or some tools for your jobs in the mechanical trades like electrical, plumbing, HVAC, check out supplyhouse.com. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so every day is different. There's there's always something new and challenging. You know, everything from mother mother nature to you know retail sales last quarter impacts our our budgets and our day um, and how we structure 
um, and strategize for the company. So always a fun challenge ahead. Um, and and I think just st- keeping it true north, Gary, is, is kind of how I think about it every day. And that's, you know, safety first, making sure that our people are working safely, you know, making sure that we're taking care of the customer, you know, customers uh, are, are our business, right? Like making sure that they are uh, receiving the level of service that they expect from us. Um, that's certainly a high priority. And then really just making sure that I'm the conduit for all of these departments and all of these, you know, uh, various business unit leaders throughout the organization so that they can communicate effectively, deliver on the initiatives for their teams, and really just kind of keep everybody marching to the same the same beat. Mm-hmm. Now, how important is when you're the president allocating work? Because listen, I have a problem. I, I have a serious problem allocating work sometimes. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just never like for me for me now because I I run um, the the HVAC know it all thing and then McCready HVAC and there's people that that that'll get on and say hey listen there's there's a lot of uh, what I can't remember what they're called virtual assistants out there that can help with yeah. this and that and I'm like and and I've and I've cringed a lot of, of times like and, and I know people that actually use virtual assistants and use them successfully and I'm like yeah but I I they just it, and I'm always hemming and hawing around it and I've never dug into it so. Tell me, give give me the the rundown on allocating work and why it's important to allocate work so all of the stress of the day to day is not on you. Yeah, sure, absolutely, and and you know this just speaks to team building. You have to have a great team around you. You know, you have to trust that team to be able to deliver on um, the initiatives and the the values and the vision of the company every day, right? So really, I I understand the value of, of delegating to others. It's, oh, I lost you there for a second. You back? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's got to, it's just got to happen at the scale that we're at, Gary. You know, I don't have a virtual assistant or any personal assistants or anything like that. This is a blue collar industry. So, uh, you know, we're, I, I do a lot of things myself, but um, I have an incredible team, you know, and, and they also want to grow and develop themselves. And so I give them that opportunity and they, they shine. Um, you got to meet a lot of our leaders when you were here and they're an incredible bunch and I couldn't do it without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's allocating is super important. And, and once you allocate, it's like train trust. And then it's like hands off because the worst, yes. the worst thing that a person can go through is to be micromanaged. It is, yeah. is, it is the worst thing. Cause I, my, uh, boss, when I first got into the trade, he was a bit, he was a hard ass, but he was a bit of a micromanager as well. Mm. And it was really frustrating because he would call you and I was kind of newer, right. And newer to going on my own service calls and stuff like that. And he was the owner of the company, but he was also doing dispatch at one mm. point. Right. And he would call me, go to this call, call me when you get there and tell me what you find. Yeah. So that's, there. that's true of a lot of small companies. I think you're wearing a lot of hats early on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's the right decision at that time, as you start to grow and scale, there's just too many things to do. And you're really doing your team a disservice to not, you know, delegate that out. Um, because there's teams within those teams that need to know, um, you know, what to do every day and have great leadership and you, you just become spread too thin. 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I depend heavily on the team here. Um, and, and thankfully have an incredible team to get it done. Mm -hmm. So the, the <laughs> when I would get to the site and call him, he'd be in a meeting. Oh, <laughs> and then, then I'd call back. Oh, he's still in the meeting. And then four yeah. hours later, there's nothing done yet. Right. And then he'd get a hold of me. So what did you fix it? I said, no, you said to call you when I got there. And you were unavailable for four hours, and then uh, I get yelled at. Then I get yelled at. That's so, frustrating. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So the the micromanaging thing is, uh, I think a lot of people have found that it doesn't work, and it's not a good way yeah. to conduct uh, business with your own employees. And yeah, your employees have to have agency to do their their job. They have to feel like it, the decisions are theirs. You know, I can empower them with the skills and and vision and kind of unify around, um, you know, the values of the company and, and what we're, we're working towards, they certainly can make their own decisions. I, I, I don't micromanage the team and, um, that's demotivating to people. Really. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I understand. So let's get to sort of the, the plan of action when it comes to training, uh, recruiting and all that kind of stuff, because we are in a, in a place in the trades and everybody's known this because it's been talked about for the last five, six years is that we have this skills gap. It's hard to find people. Mm. It's not just hard to find skilled people that are good at trades. It's just hard to find people in general, sure. right? That are, that are motivated and want to work. And, and some of the things that I get from my online is a lot of, is a lot of generation ball busting, mm. right? I, I mean, as we move through the generations, like the boomers, were hardcore. You know what I mean? They, they would, they would, they would smoke on site while releasing refrigerant into the That's air right. and, and not, and not care. Right. It was all beer can cold. Then Gen beer X was a little, cold. yeah, Gen X was a little less hardcore. Um, but I see a lot of, a lot of the boomers and, and the older Gen X is slamming the, the Gen Z's and, and saying they're soft and it's, it's a different time. And, and I, I think it's not that they're soft. I think it needs to be a different approach to how we how we teach and how we how we grow people through the trade. And yes. this is not just happening within the trades. This is happening within sports. There's a lot of uh, referees that are dropping off the map for uh, kids organized sports because the parents abusing them on oh, the, yeah. fe the field or the court or the ice. They're just getting this abuse, right? And and I I think people are like, you know what? I'm not taking this shit anymore. Like I don't need to take this. I don't need to take this shit to do something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of not, it's not soft. They're standing up to a toxic sort of environment and they don't want to be treated that way. This is the way I see it. And I think if you take the right approach to train and bring people up through the trade, you can, you can turn somebody that has no skills, but the right attitude into a badass technician. So Very let's true. talk. Let's talk about what Helios is doing to recruit. And you've got a, you've got a program that is called the what program, Kat? The, the Nova program. The Nova program. N-O-V-A, yeah. So, so let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Gary. We, um, you know, we have a skilled labor gap all, all across the globe, you know, that's been happening, you know, at a, a much faster pace as, you know, the, the older generation is starting to retire out of the trades. Um, but it's it's definitely a problem. And to your point, different generations, different people are motivated by different things. 
-hmm. So you absolutely have to approach, you know, training and development in a completely different way. You have to get uh, creative. But to be honest with you, I've been very encouraged over the last few years with, you know, the level of interest from those, you know, Gen X uh, folks that are, are starting to, you know, age out of the industry and, and wanting to um, mentor the next generation. They know that they want a different pace as they start to, you know, get all on in their career. Um, so they have opportunities available to them in more of a support and mentorship and teaching role. Um, so I've been really encouraged seeing that. Um, about our Nova, Nova program, we are just incredibly proud of this program. And, and I'm certainly most excited about, you know, the fact that we are fully sponsoring aspiring technicians. I've been talking till my brain hurts about acid neutralization, condensate neutralization. Condensate that comes from a high efficiency appliance is acidic. I've measured it. I've seen what can happen when you don't use condensate neutralizers. So Rector Seal has one that's on the market now. It's called the PH Pro. If you guys are in the market looking to upgrade your game a bit when you when it comes to your installs, it's it's a code in a lot of places too, guys. Check out the PH Pro by Rector Seal. And we're actually, you know, sponsoring a 12-week program where we take technicians, you know, males, females, all across the country. Uh, we bring them in for 12, 12 weeks into a facility. They learn the diagnostic and troubleshooting um, skills for the systems, tonnages, controls that we're using most in commercial. The first class actually started in January and we'll be graduating in a few weeks. So we're really excited about that. Nice. And they will have a job with Helios right out of the program. We will supply them with tools, a truck, insurance, great benefits, ongoing support, and a career. Uh, we sponsored them in the program. We've uh, covered the travel, the training, all of their uh, accommodations, and we're paying them while they're while they're learning. So, it's we're really excited about this program and and bringing in um, you know new technicians into the trade. Yeah. So I'm gonna say that my experience going to school when I was right out of high school. So I went to a two year course, and I I honestly think it didn't have to be a two year course. It was very it was very long and dragged out. There's a lot of things that I didn't need to know to get started mm. to, to work on the tools. So I think you can train in a condensed course if the, the curriculum is right and there's a lot of hands-on right. and stuff like that. Because when I went, to, it was a lot of sitting in a classroom, right? And it was staring at a chalkboard. And that's yeah. not, that for me, that wasn't what I needed because my, my sense of tools was non-existent because I didn't work with tools growing up. Yeah. I'm I, I'm changing that with my kids. My my son is actually right in front of me. He's got a, a bicycle that he's turning. He's got a motor and he's going to attach a motor to it and he's going to this, this is his whole project. Anyway, he's oh, got his first cool. he's got his first um, socket set, right? And he's he's working on it most of it by himself. But yeah. I had no opportunity to really work with tools as a kid. And that was my hardest thing to to the hump to get over was mm. tools. And I think yeah. having a hands-on program is really, really going to help. And what I found was because the schooling that I did and when I first got into the trade, even though it was condensed and non-condensed and dragged out, I found I had a bit of a head start over kids that were joining the trade that hadn't gone to school because mm. I had some background on the refrigeration cycle and yeah. a little bit of electricity and, and stuff Thermodynamics, like that. Thermodynamics, so all of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I found it gave me a bit of a head start. 
Um, so I think it's really important to go to a trade school and get some experience and some hands-on stuff before you step into the trade. I think that's really important. It's going to give you a bit of a, a head start over somebody that hasn't done that. Now, yeah. the, um, the program, you said it's tailored to the kind of stuff that you guys work on. So is it is it equipment that you guys mainly see that you've said, hey, we, we mainly see this kind of stuff. We want our technicians trained on this specific equipment or is it more yes. generalized? Yeah, yeah. Okay. so um, this is folks who have some background in either you know residential or have gone through uh, you know a portion of trade school already um, they're invited to join the program apply and um, we will train them on you know the advanced tonnages and, and automation and controls that we work on and see most the self-contained units uh, the refrigeration units that we that we work on most the brands manufacturers have helped supply you know simulations for equipment and actually getting their hands on some tools while they're, while they're learning. Um, and then of course, we will continue to support that through mentorship programs internally as they start joining the team. You know, second man on a job, kind of working with a senior technician to learn kind of the next level of, of how to really uh, work well in, in the program. Yeah, and when you said VR, is that incorporate interplay learning? It does. Okay, because that's the only VR uh, sort of educational uh, yeah, it's a great program out, out, outlet that I know of. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been on a lot of their courses and stuff like that too. And I'd yeah. like to get all my kids have VR headsets. So I would like to start getting them to just go in and, and look at some stuff. I think that would be super cool. Right. So yeah. I, that is a great platform for that. Yeah. It's something I, I want to implement in the new year is, is figuring out how to get it working on their Oculus. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you a question. I put out, a question that was asked by a second year apprentice. I just want to get your opinion and, and sure. I'm not going to hold you to it or anything like that, but I just want to get your opinion on if this is right for some people, maybe not for others. Now, the question I got was second year apprentice. It was this, this initiative is it's a, it's a Q and a that I do through, through master one of the, the podcast sponsors and, and, mm -hmm. and we're trying to answer questions anonymously to people that are having issues with, with whatever. And the mm. question was, I'm a second year apprentice, six months into working with this company. And they're sending me on what he believes is journeyman type service calls, like large VRF and large ah. commercial stuff. And he's like, what should I do? He's like, I'm, I'm like thumbing my way through it all. And I said, you know what? I was in that position once. And this is how I answered it. I said, you could turn into a complete badass. You just got to make sure that you're not putting yourself in danger, right? With any, with any heavy lifting, you're not going to, if it's something that you look at and you're extremely intimidated and you don't know what things do or what, if you push that button, what's going to happen, you don't want to put yourself in danger. But if you run up onto a service call to a large VRF and you're opening up manuals and reading through them, and now you're calling tech support to verify what you're reading in the manual. And they're telling you to check this and check that. You're going through the motions of what a, journey, a journeyman would be going through. And at a, at a level, you're retaining the, the information a lot better than standing behind somebody and just watching them do it. In sure. certain scenarios, baptism by fire, is it <laughs> is it something that can be implemented at times as a, as a like, I'm going to shock you a little bit. I'm going to train you 
but also I'm going to throw you into scenarios where you have to sink or swim to make you into a stronger person. Do you think that sometimes can be incorporated into training? Absolutely, Gary. So, you know, I think in this trade, you have to be really agile. You know, you never know. Uh, we're oftentimes given, you know, a work code. Hey, my AC's not working in the stock room. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know what system that may be. You don't know, you know, what may be the cause of that of that issue. So, you know, technicians oftentimes are are kind of flying blind until they get on site and see see what's going on with the systems and and you know the environment. You know, so I think there is a little bit of drinking from a fire hose for every technician every day. So, God bless them for that. But you know, guided troubleshooting is is just the way it is today. There's a ton of different systems and different controls and sequences. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so there's, there's always a way to, to figure out how to, you know, go through the system and, and not, you know, really hurt, hurt yourself or something else. I will tell you that, you know, we try as we, as much as we can to match the skill set of the technician to the job that they're going to, but you'll never know until you're on site, you know, what you're going to come up against. So, yeah, I think absolutely. And and we have an incredible you know tech support group with our service managers, lead technicians, and, and then directors and above to support technicians as they come up on things that they haven't ever seen before. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that kind of spirit. Just get in there and figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's a very stressful situation to be in because I've been oh. in it many, many times. I, I, for me, this is, this is, I've probably told the story on the podcast before and, and I'll tell it to you. But when I first got into the trade, I didn't take it seriously. It was, it wasn't like, mm. it, it felt just like I was going to work and getting a paycheck at the end of the week. And I was just following around someone else that was a senior technician or senior mechanic in the trade. And, and I felt like I wasn't learning anything. I was just kind of standing around watching. And every little task that I was given to do on my own, I would screw it up most of the time because I wasn't taking it seriously. I'm like, ah, oh, what? Like, I, that's just the mentality. I, I hadn't fully matured. Somebody else's was, problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was still, I was still only like 20, 20, 20 when I got into the trade. Like when I first started with my, the, the commercial company that I was with for so many years. And this was my, sort of 180 turnaround my boss i know he was about to fire me i could tell it, the look in his eyes the way he was talking to me and he was going yeah you, you you don't do this you don't do that you screw that up and i said to him and i i went on the defense and i'm like well his name was bill i said bill you have not given me an opportunity mm. i said all i do is follow everybody around Where's my opportunity to show you that I can do something on my own, right? I had little opportunities here and there, but it was always with somebody else, like they're watching my back and taking the screwdriver out of my hand and, and then doing it. I need to be in the position to mess up, know what I did, and then fix sure. that so, so I can use those mistakes as a learning, as a learning curve. Now, I said to him, I said, I haven't had the opportunity. And his the, the his demeanor changed right away because this was a guy that was always on the, the offense and never had to because he's always on the offense he's everybody's backing away and I, I'm like I'm not backing down this time I, I said I have not had an, an opportunity to excel and he kind of stepped back and he's like thought about it. he's like you know what you're right and 
right after that, it was like I was going on my own maintenances. I was going on service calls That's and trying to, trying to figure them out. And the first thing I ever fixed, it was the middle of the winter. It was an old York rooftop that was probably shouldn't have been on the roof anymore. That's how old <laughs> it was. And I was making guesses. It was, it was this, it was that, it was this. I drove an hour in 20 minutes, almost an hour and a half to get parts three different times, right? Three different times I drove out to the supplier. The first two times the part didn't fix it. Yeah. The third time it did. And it was the first machine I ever fixed. And I literally, I think I, I, I think I threw my hand up in the air and cheered because it actually fired up. I think I actually jumped like I scored, like I scored a goal. Right. And that was sort of my, that was sort of the day that I realized I can do this. I just need to focus a little bit more and I need to pay a little bit more attention and I need to put in the work, not only during hours but when i go home i need to figure out why and try to the internet wasn't around back then but i I had books i had all kinds of books to do with hvac i got to go home and read up on gas fired equipment and why this may have happened and why what i did didn't fix it the first two times yeah so that was sort of my realization that i can do this i just need to put the time and effort into it right you know i think that's great and and um if i was your boss at that time gary i would have said the same thing like absolutely you got the you got the, the thirst to learn. Let's do it together, right? Um, I often say to, to managers and technicians, the best tool you've got is your smartphone, right? Like call somebody, um, look up a support video. There is a ton of resources out there today. If you've got the will and, and the desire, you can do this. Yeah. And that's I hear that a lot from the older generation techs. Oh, this kid's always on his phone. If they're on their phone on tick scrolling through TikTok, while they're supposed to be working that's that's a problem um or or texting their girlfriend or or whoever or buddies like yeah let's make plans tonight that's different but if they're on their phone taking pictures watching video youtube videos of 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 hvac industry people doing things and and how to's and researching manuals and stuff like that it's a big part of what we do these days and if i had a if i had a smartphone back then it, it would have been a game changer. It's game just, changer. you got, you got to harness, you got to harness what's out there and use it to your advantage. Right. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, there's a ton of resources out there for these folks to use and, and technicians are resourceful. They'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, I mean, I, I, anything else you want to say about the, the training that, that you guys are doing right now? I mean, if, if somebody is interested in this program, they're, they may be in residential, they want to switch to commercial or they want a, a second yeah. career because there's a lot of second career people now. Like they're, they're in their, their thirties and they go, you know what, what I went to university for is a dead end career. I'm not going anywhere here. So they, they switch right into a lot Absolutely. of people switch into, into the trades as a second career. So how would they reach out to, to you guys to, to potentially be a candidate for the training that you guys are, are giving yeah. at the moment? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll make sure to get you a link so that we can put it in the, the podcast notes, but, um, perfect. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah. www.heliosservicepartners.com. That's H E L I O S servicepartners.com. And there will be a, a link to the Nova program and OVA. Um, yeah, we are taking applicants for the next cohort. We will continue to do this training. Um, and we will continue sponsoring great techs coming into the industry. 
hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.